Guys, sorry for the late re-release. It is, of course, a very busy time at SF Sketchfest, and uh, we had a wonderful opening week. We are looking at the second uh, weekend. I am uh, recording this backstage at the California Academy of Sciences, uh, and I am listening to people have a good time, so I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I, this is a re-release of Jen Kirkman's episode. I love Jen. She will be at SF Sketchfest next weekend. That's our closing weekend, uh, and she'll be doing her own show. I seem fun, and she will also, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, I should say, and she will also be moderating the Tignataro tribute. So super excited about that. Um, sorry for all the ambient noise, guys, but I wanted to get this out so that we could release this episode for you guys to re-enjoy or enjoy for the first time. Thanks. Now entering Nerdist.com. I'm here with uh, with Jen Kirkman. Hi, and uh, and I'm really excited to have you all involved in the questions this time around. I don't know why she felt like the best person to do this with, but I just felt confident that she was. And in fact, oh, thank you. These are good. Uh, these are some good questions that have been asked. So uh, I don't know how much time it's going to take to get through these questions, but I sort of promised you guys in my intro for last week that. I would kind of let you guys run the show and just ask these questions and uh, and then we would kind of bounce around from them a little bit. So I don't even know if any of the questions are going to come from me. You know what? There may be some follow-up questions that yeah. these questions lead to. But uh, but thanks for, for contributing, you guys. I'm going to send each of you $50. Uh, I feel that's what your questions are worth. And please don't expect any actual money because I don't have any of your addresses. Um, that's the only reason why, because you don't have their addresses. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you guys would be getting maybe like a savings bond. I'm not sure I've ever seen a savings bond. Um, I guess, I guess I will say, we'll just put this. We'll, nobody asked, like, I think everybody assumed that I would ask the sort of cursory geographical questions where we can sort of place you where you are time and place before we, we launch into these questions. So I should probably take care of that little bit of housekeeping. That's fine. So Jen, let's hear from you, uh, where you are from. Um, I'm from Needham, Massachusetts, which is a kind of a wealthy suburb, um, new money outside of Boston, Massachusetts. We were not the wealthy people in town. What, so that, what did, how, how did you come to be there if, if you didn't have the money? Um, my dad's a greenskeeper. So he was like, he's like Bill Murray and Caddyshack. But whereas Bill Murray and Caddyshack was studying to be the head greenskeeper, my dad was the head greenskeeper. So he was more the guy. We don't have to get into Caddyshack references, but we certainly can. <laughs> we certainly can. But um, so actually when my dad took that job, um, the house came with it. Like it, they didn't have, my parents didn't have to buy a house. Like this. So, this almost sounds vaguely Dickensian. <laughs> got, oh my god, it got into Oh my god. It's See? like Sabrina. Yeah. Like you lived above the garage because your father was a chauffeur. Uh, but yeah, they, so, so whoever is the greenskeeper at that place, yeah. 
the house is part of your salary. And, and when so, you say greenskeeper, for those of you who haven't seen Caddyshack, I don't know who you would be. Um, <laughs> specific to like a country club golf course. Yeah, golf course. Like, he was yeah. the golf course superintendent. He managed the golf club and the entire course and, and all kinds of things. Um, and so anyway, yeah, so that's that's how we kind of came to live in a... a I mean, there, it's, it's like any other town. There's rich, poor, working class, whatever. But on the whole, it's a very um, progressive, affluent, nice place to live. Yeah. And I think the East Coast seems like it has more, like Massachusetts, Vermont, Connecticut, those areas, has more of those little town township pockets where you really, there really is sort of a preponderance of one type of person or a, versus yeah. like, we're, you know, I'm from Arizona and so it's just like every, everybody's all in one weird weird city or whatever yeah rather than, rather than you know having being more segregated in that way yeah so that seems very east coast to me yeah it's very it's very massachusetts segregated is a good word for it. <laughs> sorry to say but <laughs> no it's true we used to have black kids bust in yeah from the inner city or whatever you know and i don't know if that i, I can't remember if ultimately that was a, a program that people enjoy like i don't remember if that was good for anybody the black or right. the white kids like i don't remember what the overall like that's bad or that's good but yeah um i i, I hope that doesn't sound racist i just can't remember i remember there was a critique of that that type of thing happening but i can't remember any of the details around it that's yeah. a great story but anyway yeah it was <laughs> a, a very segregated place i think there was one black kid that lived in town okay um and so and and you have sisters mm-hmm is it you and three? I, I mean, have two three, older three sisters, girls three girls total. Yeah. My sisters are so much older than me that I was an only child living at home since age seven. Got it. So yeah, they were either in college or like off, like getting married. They're like 10 and 14 years older than me. So gotcha. yeah. So I, I kind of was mostly an only child. Okay. And, uh, and, and so we've established that your, your high school was, uh, there was a, there was a mix of ethnicities, but it wasn't necessarily organic in the sense that the community itself didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. There was no more like in middle school. Like, did the different ethnicities like hang out with each other? But then in high school, everyone was just in their own little group. Like, yeah. there was no, there was no, not really much mixing of anything except the one black kid in town hung out with the freaks. That's what I was called in high school. So you were a freak. Yeah, I don't remember having an. I don't remember being classified by someone else with a name. And I feel like everything I've assigned to myself, I've had to assign after the fact. Oh like, yeah. Oh, I was goth. Like, but at the time I don't remember anyone saying you're goth, Janet Varney. Right. Right. That's what you are. I can't remember. We were called the freaks, but then we appropriated it cause we were really proud of it. And so that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And were you a good student? I'm looking to see if any of these questions are covered in the, I love that. I said, I'm not going to ask any questions. And I've <laughs> You're like, before we get to the questions. questions, um, I was a good student, but I was, um, what I loved, I loved and it came easy. So I did it. What I didn't love and sort of half loved, I did as much as I could to get by and then just like coasted on luck or instinct. Could not be more similar. Yeah. Same. And then stuff I hated, I was like never going to use math. So I'm barely paying attention. I have ADD, cheated. undiagnosed. Oh, you cheated. I just took D's. I basically told my parents like, I'm never going to be good at math. You know, I'm not a bad kid, yeah. but I'm going to get some D's. And they're like, no big, you know, you whatever. honest about it. I was yeah. just, I just felt like. I was so worried about letting people down. Everybody knows this who's listened to even one other yeah. podcast. But I, I have think- that with an other things, but 
I, that's, I know I, I've heard some, I'm similar in that way. Like I'm afraid of letting people down, but if it's stuff I don't want to do, then I don't care who's let down. I just can't make myself do it. So I like, I walked out of my SATs cause I couldn't concentrate. Like the tests are not set up for my mind. Same. Yeah. Like Same. if you give me a, a multiple choice, I overthink it and I'm like, well, they're probably asking cause of the, cause of that, this and it. Yeah. I just I walked out. Most alarming is IQ tests. Like I don't oh, know. Yeah. When I, I remember being given those tests and just thinking, how could anyone like even just taking puzzle pieces and making them look like the design, I would get so distracted by other things. Like, yeah, what is this made out of? Like just so not able to focus. <laughs> See, to me, that means you have a high IQ, but I'm not in charge of these tests. But I, and to be honest with you, I have absolutely no idea what my IQ ever is. Like, I've is never taken was. one. I've, I don't remember whatever. It was probably kept a cl- like a closely guarded secret to my parents because I've never known. <laughs> I've never, I don't think was. I've ever taken one. I just assume mine's low. All I know is I got a horrible, I think I only got like an 850 on my SATs. I did not even take them i was like who cares yeah i think i was already in college at that like already got into school at that point knew i wanted to go to like a theater school it was like this is so dumb and when people my age still talk about their sat scores i'm like what is wrong with you what i got well 1600 is the best i'm sure i didn't get that i Um, probably did all right yeah i'm sure you did great i think i did well in the english part but i don't know what did your mom do did your your mom work or she she didn't work for the first like Oh God, this was terrible. This what I'm about to say, but um, she didn't work at all until I was 10. And then she wanted to start working and she wanted to work in a school somehow. And like the easiest way in was to volunteer first. And so her volunteer job was recess disciplinarian when I was in fifth grade. Well, the worst three years of my life were fifth, sixth and seventh grade. Um, luckily only fifth grade, my mom was, but she was the person on the playground who would tell everyone to stop screaming, stop running. I.e. she was the fun killer. Yeah. And then in the cafeteria, we'd had these three lunch ladies, not the lunch ladies who serve lunch, but the, we would call my mom did the lunch lady, which was the disciplinarian people. So they would get on microphones and be like, (gasps) be quiet. Like there was always this level of having to be quiet for some reason. Everyone knew that was your mom. Everyone knew that was my mom. Were they like Kirkman? You know, your mom's a drag. It's so funny because I was mortified by it, but the people that made fun of me made fun of me for so many other things <laughs> that I brought on myself. Listen, we don't even have time to yeah. get into making fun of your mom. It had nothing to do with her, but it was just an added, this blows. It was like more for me, like going to school was like my favorite thing to do because I could be me. Um, you know, like my friends some girls I know were singing like a virgin on the playground and my mom pulled me by the ear away from the girls and was like, you're not singing that song. Do you know what that means? And I didn't know what it meant until she made me think it might've meant something. So, you know, take those rosary beads off, like that kind of thing. So any kind of like little thing you might do at recess because you know your parents can't see you. I did not have that for just that one year. Yeah. And it was pretty upsetting. That was, I was... That was a t- period of time that I was the least happy to be going to school, partially because I was being bullied, and but also I was just a, a mess. Oh yeah, I was being bullied too, age. like by boys physically. Ugh, I was being bu- yeah by girls. I still have a scar on my shoulder from a fight I got into. Oh a my fight. god, I'm so not a fighter. And yeah. a different time, this girl kicked me in the stomach and knocked the wind <gasps> out of me. It's horrible. What did teachers do about it? Did nothing. you find they were? Nothing? I have no memory of anyone ever taking coming taking, to well aid. the one th- one time. The one time anything did happen that that teachers were aware of was actually on the bus um, that I took to get to school, which uh, 
I was a part of a magnet program, so I had to take one bus to get to one school, and then you transfer at that school to go onto your school bus. Gotcha. So um, my neighborhood bus came, picked me up, but I was the last stop before getting to that school. And um, and there was a girl, I guess, who was like one of the first stops on the on the the route that decided that she hated me for some reason. But again, of course, how can you even know when you some total of experiences with someone is like three minutes on a bus? Yeah, yeah. But she clearly hated me, and uh, and so I would wait to get on the bus, and then when I would get on, the bus would be basically full, and she coached all of the kids on the full bus to like put their knees in the aisle so I couldn't <gasps> walk. I would have to like stand near the bus driver who never said anything to the kids. I think the bus driver was afraid of the kids. Yes. If you guys have listened to the Natasha Legere episode, maybe you know why, because she apparently bullied her own bus driver. I heard uh, that. But, uh, and so I got to the point where I was so, I dreaded so much getting on the bus because they would also like yell things at me and stuff that I just started pretending like I was sick. And, um, but my parents knew that I wasn't sick. So then they right. took me to a doctor and then it was like, finally the story came out and the principal of her school and the principal of, principal of my school somehow got involved with each other and she had to like come up and apologize to me and good. But I was afraid that she was going to be even worse. Did that, that yeah, but to be honest no. with you, I think she was so scared that she was nice to me after that. Yeah. You didn't need to scare them that they're yeah. going to get in trouble. What, what was it like? What? Not that you were doing anything, but what was their reason for being mean to she? I mean, I never, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we all know now she was either jealous of you or wanted to be your friend or that's saw a, something. That's a you lovely know. thought, but it might not be that. It might just been that <laughs> I was people freak. also might be horrible people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would say probably the reason that she hated me was just, I was just someone she could hate. I don't think it was, I, I don't think I should feel special and why, she, or that she felt envious. I think she probably had a shit home life and like, that's how she, you end up maybe on either side. Like you can have a shitty home life and get picked on still, or you can yeah. be the person who picks on. And I just never made it to the, that happened to me so young that I just never wanted to bully anyone because I was too aware of how it felt. Yeah. 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 Um, but enough about me. I can't imagine bullying someone. There's a, there's a couple of questions in here. I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to I didn't create like an order to any of this. <laughs> but this should be a fun question. I'm uh-huh. going to ask Mike Gray's question first. What was the first album you ever bought? Oh, well, here's the thing. Music was always a huge part of my life since I was like 3. So um It's a hard question for me to answer cuz it it yeah. It, when I okay, my I, sisters when they left, they left me all their eight tracks: Zeppelin, The Who, whatever. So I was listening to that since I was like four. And then my parents would always have Oldies 103 on in the kitchen, which was like then I heard all the like 50 songs and Elvis and all that stuff. So I loved that. And then we had the albums in the dining room, and every I mean, my earliest memory is like age four, just putting on Sgt. Pepper and laying on the floor and listening to it all the way through and turning it over and listening to the other side. And that's what I liked doing. And in go to nursery school, I would lay on the floor and listen to Sgt. Pepper. And then in fifth, you know, fifth grade, in kindergarten, I would run home from school just to put the albums on and lay on the floor. So I didn't buy those, but that's the first music I listened to was Zeppelin and and Beatles and Elvis and Johnny Cash and all that kind of stuff. So do you remember? So do you, I guess maybe the question would be, do you remember, uh, first of all, wildly impressive that you had such a great fleshed out musical experience. (laughs) I kind of did too. My dad was a huge, huge music nerd. So he had tons of albums and he had reel to reel tapes. Oh my God. So we would, he would let me, he showed me how to run the reel to reel and listen to like old who and (sighs) and the kinks and, and, and stuff like that. And, 
he was he really and I used to road trip with him all the time so he would play like awesome music from when I was really little going ghost towning with him and um, it's I'm always so fascinated by the girls who've done the podcast who it just wasn't important to them Um, I'm so amazed to find out what was important because I feel like there would be such a huge hole. I'm so freaked out by people. Had all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I I didn't know what year it was or what was happening. And disco, the Bee Gees were another big thing for me too at that age. So it's like I didn't know. I mean, it was like 1980, but I didn't know what was coming out in 1980. Like I wasn't necessarily listening to the radio station. Like my parents had the oldies on, and then all these albums and things. I just thought that was all happening at At that same time. time. Yeah, Yeah, there's a timelessness to that. That's like I didn't know what was happening. I even thought the Monkees were my contemporaries because they played reruns on Nickelodeon. Me too. That age. I thought. I thought when I was little watching it, and then like 1980, John Lennon died. My mom had to explain. No, the Beatles had been broken up. Like I didn't even know it was. But but the first album I actually purchased with my own money was I went to this place called the Music Center and I bought the 1981 hit list. It was just a record of like the top 12 hits of that year. Okay. And I didn't even like a lot of the songs on it. It was like one was the Gap Band, You Dropped a Bomb on Me, which I loved. Okay. And Jenny, 8675309 was on there. That's some good stuff. 1981 hit list. Yeah. And then after that, I think the song remains the same was the next album (laughs) I bought because my sister had it on um, eight track and it was like skipping. So I was like, I'll just buy the album. Got it. Um, And then... Uh, then maybe as like third grade came around, I started to realize there was current music happening. And so then I would buy, um, Oh, I forget the clash, the, um, rock, the the rock, the Casbah's on, I forget the name of that album, but I bought that in third grade and then boy, George and George Michael. And I did like pop music as well. So it was like Michael Jackson, George Michael, Madonna, all that kind of stuff, like kind of starting in, in third and fourth grade for me. I guess I remember that stuff too. I think I, I think that, um, the, the top 40 songs that had the strongest impact me on me that I remember best, honestly, are things that would play at roller rinks. Like, cause everybody was having roller skating parties. Oh, so yeah. I have such specific, like, I definitely remember Brian Adams heaven because it was like the greatest song to like couple skate to. Oh God. Like, couple skate. I, I never did that. Oh, it was, I was oh. always way taller than the boy. So, oh. like, and then just the feeling of holding like a soft clammy hand. Uh, oh my God. I've never ever held a, and, I've never once in my life held a boy's hand and roller skated. Oh, it's and, hard. I feel like I fell every single time. And I don't want people to be like, I'll do that. I don't, that's, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> You're not inviting. It. No, no. Um, did you, well, if so, if you had, this is a follow up to my grace question yeah. then. Um, and that's a great answer that you gave. Do you have, because you were kind of raised in that environment and music was so important to you. Do you remember a time in your teens when you just were blown away by something? Like I was talking to April Richardson about mm-hmm. her first, you know, her first experience at 12 or 13 hearing Morrissey and it stayed with her ever since. Yeah. Did you ha- and my version of that was a, a Depeche Mode. Um, oh yeah. Really yeah. Liked, I turned a corner where I was like, okay, this isn't about anything anybody else has shown me except for this one person who has acquainted me with this thing that now is like all I want to think about my new life. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt the transition from eighth grade to freshman year in high yeah, school. Same, same. Um, my neighbor made me a bunch of people just kind of showed up and were like, here's what we do now. You know, like my best friend Meredith since kindergarten was got me into Sinead O'Connor yep. and then got me into public enemy. Nice. And then, um, my neighbor, Matt, this like older punk rock kid that lived down the street, my parents didn't let me hang out with them 
But they were not at the same time. My dad would smoke cigarettes with Matt on our front porch, but I wasn't allowed to hang out with Matt, so it made no sense. But he made me a mixtape, and it was just like, oh, the Sex Pistols, the Ramones, like things I need to know about, like the Dead Kennedys, the whatever. And so then I just got into kind of punkish music, and that was like the my mind blew open. I wasn't even trying to like it. I just loved it. It kind of reminded me of like fifties music in a way, which I'd already had a taste for. Sure, but. So that was all like the beginning of the beginning. But then like it was really the first time my my friend Shauna played me the Smiths in 87. I think it was or 88. And I was like, uh, first I was like, I hate this. I hate this. And then I loved it. Like, and it was like this really depressing song. Sing me to sleep. I don't want to wake oh, up sure. on my own anymore. <laughs> and I just related to that. Like, oh, my God, I do feel that way. I am like super angsty and depressed and like that blew my mind. I felt like I had a friend. I felt like I had someone who understood me. I felt like I had a way out. Like when he would sing about this town is stupid and someday you're going to live somewhere else. Like I was like, yes. And I kind of look, I just started my mind split and I saw everyone else's other like, Oh, you people are so entrenched in being a teenager or preteen that you're like caught up in this. And like, I'm caught up in what I thought was like the drama of real life. Like, I know I'm going to get out of here someday. Yeah. Like you guys are so, cause that's why I feel like I never, I didn't have a bad time in high school because I didn't care. I mean, it just, I, I didn't want anyone's approval. I was had the, I had Morrissey. And then when, the first time I heard the cure, I heard, um, I'd heard cure songs like the poppy ones, but when disintegration came out, oh, it, oh when my that God, album came <laughs> out. <gasps> what a perfect, <sighs> That was so beautiful and oh, so depressing. And, and, and really, yeah. And speaking of like, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the music that, that you've described, I mean, obviously like, I, I feel like I grew up with Pink Floyd also and, and their oh, yeah. albums are so iconic and they, and, and they are these sort of epic journeys. Every single one of their albums yeah. feels like you're, you know, does feel like you're watching a movie or that you're experiencing this like, you know, storytelling experience and, and. But that was all stuff that like some that my dad had, you know, that I was acquainted with and I associated with that. And Disintegration was the first album where I just felt like exactly what you're saying. Like, this is for me. Yes, this, this is, is like, for me. I don't have to share it with my family. I have like a couple of friends. And it's happening now. It's happening yeah. right now. It's fresh. It just came out. I mean, the first strains of plain song starting oh. that album out like i just chimes. got chills i, got I just chills got chills too. the chimes chimes and oh i wish i could God. sing it but i'm like it's in my oh, head that burst at the yes. beginning yes it it's was, like the most sad beautiful fairy tale like not of this world to this feeling. day the cure the guitar in the cure can like pull oh, at my heartstring. I literally, too. it plucks at pictures me. Pictures of you. Oh. like, And that's it. That became a hit, but it, it always felt with pretty much every song on that album, maybe with the exception of love song. Cause that was so overplayed. Mm -hmm. I always felt protective of it played out of context of the rest of the album. Like if I heard it on the radio or something, yeah. I would be like, don't play pictures of you in between a Duran Duran song. And yeah, no, it has song. to go play, like you got in the right in order it and like, and like sort of honor it in <sighs> that way. And, and I loved it. Like it's the end of the world and some cold, like the cold oh. that you were dead. Then she smiled oh. for a second. Why do I, I don't know why I was I so obsessed know. with, death so obsessed with death and so obsessed with love and so i was so you feel romantic so and angsty much. yeah i felt right? i like can't believe i didn't i'm i i it is shocks me to this day that i didn't become like a fucking 
drug addict because I was so overwhelmed with emotion and feelings that I had nowhere to put them. And I can't believe I didn't turn to anything to numb it. And I never did. Unfortunately. Oh yeah. I wish I almost had been because (laughs) by the way, how did I make it out alive? It just makes you feel things more in in, in in, in, in inappropriate ways. That's true. I was so like, it's so raw all the time. I mean, just, but I will never, I guess I don't think I've changed that much, except I know when and where it's appropriate. Same. Kind of. Kind of. Right. But I'm such a raw nerve, but I don't mind it. Like, that's just who I was, you know? But like, yeah, I don't even know if all that was just being a teenager. That also might've been an organic to my personality that was just starting to develop. But yeah, yeah, I do. I think, I think, I think it is. I think it's, and maybe it's both. I mean, maybe everybody kind of goes through some sort of hormonal rage of, you know, that kind of thing. But well, I know they asked that question in high fidelity. Like, did the music make me did this way? Or was I like that? But I look at my friends who got me into that music and I go, they're not still hanging on to this. Like, I'm not still hanging on to it, but like they're normal people with kids and husbands and jobs and all that. And I don't know if they heard that song, would they fall on the floor and just want to lay there still? Like, I don't know. I haven't asked them, but it's so amazing how visceral those, like, I can't just, there are certain things that I've carried through with me that I still listen to that just feel timeless that I can associate with the person I was when I first heard it a little Mm -hmm. bit. But I also have kind of brought it into my life now. But I have to say, I have to be in a really specific mood to listen to to Disintegration because the memories I have and the the person I feel like I am when I put that album on, it's like, I got to be ready for that. I got to be ready to kind of go back to that place because it impacted and imprinted in such a specific way. Yeah, you're right. If we were like driving to lunch and that was on, I couldn't really like... We'd be like, listen, we need to pull over. And I think the next thing after that was Nirvana. Uh, By the way, I can't forget that. That was like, that was because the gothy, angsty sadness was, I also had an inner rage that was just out of control. And I think the rage really showed up when I was a kid. I was a very like into justice. And like when I was bullied, I fought back. I fought boys. I beat the shit out of them. And I was very scrappy. And then that kind of went away and I got very depressed. And then that was just a little mask. And then the rage came back and it came back right when Nirvana came around. And I was like, thank God everyone is angry. You know what I mean? And then, but actually before them, I'd also heard Hole's record too that year, their first record. And I was like, oh my God, girls are mad too. Like, I, and then I got into L7 and the Luna Chicks and all these just screaming girls. And that was, that kind of was more my senior year in high school. And that's kind of who I carried out and continued to be throughout college. Like the Smiths and the Cure will always be like family to me. Mm-hmm. Like, like I love you guys and I'll listen to you and like you make me normal. But then I think I'm still, I just went full rage after that. Yeah. And then. That's, That's probably where the stand-up comes from. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I I had a friend who loved Nirvana so much, and she was kind of my dearest friend when they hit the scene. And I think I felt like I had this like absurd sense of loyalty to my friendships, where if a, someone claimed a band before I could, I sort of just let that happen. And so I actually oh, kind of yeah. was like, oh, so, like, she's probably listening to this. I was like, oh, Sarah got Nirvana. Like, she loved Nirvana. That's how I she feel about Depeche Mode. She got them. And I don't know what my version of that would be other than that I was, I guess, because I did feel angry. But it's funny because when I think about how angry I was, I associate it more with, like, the films that I was obsessed by. Oh. rather than Although I was into, like, Ministry and Skinny Puppy, which is pretty angry sounding. Yeah. 
But um, but I was never into like I never really got into like Nine Inch Nails, and I never really no, got into Nirvana. It. Strangely enough. And, but but like I was obsessed by A Clockwork Orange. I was obsessed even by Silence of the Lambs when it came out. Oh yeah, I, I can't watch for. that stuff. I I can't it's now. So funny. But at the time, yeah, I clearly was like fascinated by like angry male figures who hurt people. Which, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I wasn't listening to angry music necessarily. Right, you had it out time, in another way. Somehow I was just fixating on like these, I guess, like bad, bad guys. Well, it's funny because I think Nirvana too had that perfect amount of anger, but like the same poetic sadness yeah, of like Morrissey and all that kind of stuff. Introspective. It's a, it was a good combination. But you brought up an interesting thing that like is such a subtle but important thing that like you do feel like self-conscious even within your own peer group of doing it wrong like I had the same thing my friend Heather loved Depeche Mode so much was so crazy for them that I felt like I was copying her stuff I liked them too much too she didn't need me to be into them just like she was like so we all kind of had our own thing and even among the weird kids I was always like am I weird enough am I oh I don't want to call myself a freak in front of my freaky friends because they'll be like (laughs) no you're not like there was so much like oh am I doing this right yeah yeah right yeah um that's interesting. She claimed Depeche Mode. Yeah, I guess I got Depeche Mode because I did like Depeche Mode maybe more more than anybody else. Um, Mike, great question. Uh, let's go into a couple of different people asked about books, um, which seems like a fun segue oh, off yeah. of music. Uh, Will Stegman asked, what was your favorite book as a teen and does it still ho- hold up? And I'm also going to fold in two others which were specific which i think for me anyway are are way preteen but mm-hmm. um stephanie simons wanted to know which one are you are you there god it's me margaret or then again maybe i won't mm. and texas anarchist wanted to know what your favorite judy bloom book to whack off was oh. and younger <laughs> listeners i'm sorry but that is just what someone asked That's so you funny. don't have to answer that as specifically as he's asked it but um well, I liked the Judy Bloom. So those are the three book questions. You can answer any and all of them. All right. Well, I'll like. go linear. I loved Then Again, Maybe I Won't I did because too. I was the masturbating since I was too. very young. Me like too. really young. Yes. I really was doing that since I was a kid. And I thought I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know it was sexual. I just thought it was like, why would you not? Yeah. Have, it's like having sugar or something. Exactly. Like, why would you not do this? Yeah. So the when I read Then Again, Maybe I Won't, I was like, oh, but there wasn't a girl version of it. And the girls got the period book. And I didn't relate because I didn't get my period till I was 16 because I was underweight. And I just want to say that I hate when people act like being underweight isn't as traumatic as being overweight because I think we look at it now like Megan Fox would be like, I was scrawny and a nerd and underweight. Like I, I didn't end up, you know, staying underweight. Like now to keep a weight, I have to fucking work at it. And right. so it was traumatic with kind of no payoff. <laughs> that makes any sense. Like, I really was like had to get these tests because my doctor was like, you might have leukemia, like weird things. I just looked like I had AIDS as a kid. Like it was just awful. I have a picture. I should have sent you that picture. It's I had these dark circles under my eyes and I just was really way too skinny. And it was like from maybe I stopped being that scrawny when I was like 15, but I didn't get my period. And I was in ballet class every day and the girls were developing and like, I was so stupid that I didn't realize like they were envious of me because 
you know, when you dance, it does look a little better if you're scrawny, but I felt like a nerd and like a idiot and they were like getting boobs and hips. And I really admired that. People would talk about their periods. I actually talked about this on stage for the first time the other night that when a couple of my friends got their periods, I was so jealous that I just went, Oh yeah, I've had mine for a while. Like just to take it away from them. Like it was so awful. So I didn't feel like a woman and I would like stuff my bra and it was like every day just sitting there unable to concentrate in school because all I'm thinking is I'm not like anyone else and like mm. something's wrong with me and I don't feel and sexy. in such a private way, you know, that's yeah. a different kind of, fe- of, of feeling like displaced than, mm-hmm. than the more kind of public ways. It's so intimate to feel like, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. And that's why I didn't like the Judy Bloom book because I related to her waiting for her period, but then she got it at like an age appropriate time. So it's like, well, no, f- fuck this. <laughs> like I hated it. So then I also How didn't like she? the, yeah, that the girls didn't seem to have any sexuality until there was another one like tiger eyes or something. Yeah. I think I was she, like post, I, I think I was out of Judy Bloom phase by then, but I remember people talking about, yeah, that, that, that was, was like a sexier. sexy book, I think, but it was yeah. more like her and a guy. Like, I don't think she was masturbating. Yeah. So that's my relationship to that. And then in high school, the books I really loved, I liked Wuthering Heights because I was a big fucking ball of dr- drama. Yeah. I loved plays. I really did like Oscar Wilde. I, lo- I liked anything he wrote. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And I liked in high school, I did go through a catcher in the rye phase, but, but I didn't read it too many times. I just read it once and found it life changing and then got into JD Salinger's other short stories, which I liked better. Yeah. And then I liked, um, shoot, I can't remember. Oh, I liked, um, what is her name that, that wrote the lottery? Um, oh, Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. I yeah. liked that. And I liked um, Flannery O'Connor a lot. I yeah. liked, that was kind of the stuff I remember them giving us in high oh, school. Yeah. So, I'm so I, that I, I remember so well and I cherish so much the books that I read for school. Like yeah. they, like they kind of got in my mind, they've kind of got it figured out. Like they give people good books to read. Yeah. I, I was, I'm so impressed that they did that. And, and they I stay with you like to kill a mockingbird. Like, Oh, you oh can't my God. Argue with that. That's you, you, one of the greatest you probably books have to ever. read it two or three times in different classes. And there's a reason for it. And you yeah. find something new in every single one. And even the great Gatsby and yeah. like, those, those are really good books. And I feel like it's a time in your life when again, you're sort of, you're so open. It's like, you're just this porous open sponge. I mean, kids are too, but when you kind of take the porousness and add the hormonal stuff to it, I feel like the stuff that's getting in is getting in fiercely in a way that even, even like good school books, like that was the first time in my junior year, someone, um, one of my teachers, Mr. Mackey, uh, was a dear friend of my dad's. My dad was my senior English teacher, by the way. Um, so that was weird. But, uh, but also very normal because he was, I knew going in that I was going to have him eventually. Right, right. But but he, but Mr. Mackey introduced us. That was like the, like the poetry heavy year in English. And so it was like Dylan Thomas and I became obsessed with Dylan Thomas. Oh, see, I was obsessed. drank himself to death. He's like the Morrissey of poetry, Dylan Thomas. I was obsessed with poetry, but didn't know what to read because we didn't get poetry in school. So I'm jealous. I just found like, I'm going to send you some poems. Yeah. I just found like, um, I think it was like Oscar Wilde and Dorothy Parker. It was like the only p- poetry I knew or prose or whatever, you know, that's but still awfully. Yeah. You it's good, but I didn't get that. any, I didn't know about any of the dark. Like I drank myself to death people. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Oh, Dylan Thomas. <laughs> He's he, the thing that I love about him. And I know no one, this is about you, but I knew what this was going to happen. There are some guests where I'm like, I'm going to let them do all the talking, but I knew that you and I've been sitting on this and wanting to connect for yeah. so long about this stuff that I knew I was going to talk your ear off. Um, 
I was obsessed by Ray Bradbury and people, I hated that people were like, oh, you're a sci-fi nerd. I'm like, no, Ray Bradbury's books are not what you think they are. Yeah. I, I don't think, think of it as sci-fi at all. Ships, yeah. But they're like the most intense, beautiful humanity, like horror, but based on kind of our, what our real fears are. And they're very, they're just so contemplative and like, I think I remember reading a Ray Bradbury in high school amazing. that really affected me, but I can't remember the title. I mean, of you course, you know, people know Fahrenheit 451. They sort of know like the, or they, or they think of, you know, the illustrated man stuff that's been made into films, but his book, Dandelion Wine is not even about anything science fiction-y. It's just a beautiful, beautifully written book. And, um, it's still one of my favorite. I'll books. have to read it. I've never read that. It's so good. Um, so guys, uh, I, those were great book questions. Um, I'm going to jump into, okay, well, here's, we haven't really talked about relationshipy stuff yet. Mm -hmm. And Jason McCraw wants to know what is the funniest relationship you had? I don't, I mean, that could be interpreted in different ways, but did you funny? Yeah. I mean, was, was there like, I guess because you're funny now. So maybe did you, I was so intense in high school. There was nothing funny. Every relationship (laughs) was so life or death. It was so dramatic and everything lasted 10 seconds. Yeah. I was a virgin in high school, but I wasn't a prude. I was just had an irrational fear of getting pregnant, but I hooked up with a ton of cute and awesome guys. And, um, it was the best. Would you like write notes to each other and were they in your school or were they people outside? Oh yeah. All school? in my school. Yeah. I had no like reality outside of school. Um, my first love was this kid Rod who was, uh, I met in ninth grade. He was in 10th grade. He was just like scummy and skinny and more like <laughs> crazy boots and had like permanent marker on his hands all the time. And he would like vandalize the school. He was the best nice. and just a real fucking weirdo and like <laughs> kind of was a manson not emancipated from his parents literally but like could basically use the basement as his own apartment and like never had to see his parents and just did anything and so his basement door is always open so you just walk into his place and like we had our first kiss watching rock and roll high school by the ramones and oh, it was the best great. but then i was like very self-conscious because i didn't have boobs yet so i was like a cup minus negative two, you know, and I just thought that that was important to guys. And I don't really know if he cared, but I was so insane about it that I wouldn't let him touch me, even though I was dying to go further. Mm. And I think he was kind of frustrated. Like, you know, guys are insecure too, but it didn't dawn on me until like I was an adult. Like, oh, maybe he was like, well, she doesn't like me, you know? And so then my dad um, was like, I don't want you hanging out with that kid. And And then, of course, I would sneak over to his house anyway. And then my dad one time just let himself into the basement and dragged Rod off of me. And then I was in big trouble. So I could really never see him again, except at school or running into him. But like, even if I hung out with him at night, it was like... I had to go out with my friends and then like sneak off with him or whatever. But Which, by the way, your parents unknowingly created an even more melodramatic and perfect sort of like, oh my God, I desperately want to see this guy because oh. I can't see him kind of thing, right? I'm assuming. Yes. I mean, I, he was the, I loved him forever, but not, we never really even went that far because I was afraid and whatever. But then there was like the unrequited love of Adam Kirkland who didn't like me back. He kind of looked like a little mini Robert Smith. Did he, did you, did he sit like behind or in front of you in classes because of your names? I would, I, yeah, no, I wanted him to sit near me in homeroom, but he didn't. I don't know why we weren't in the same homeroom, but, um, I forgot about homeroom for a second until you just said that. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. Homeroom. What was that even? Just to like get you all there and calm down. It was like (laughs) a reading room. I don't know. Just like calm you down for 10 minutes. Homeroom. 
But he, um, he was in my group of weirdos that I hung out with and I always liked him. And my friend Terry got really close with him because she was dating a guy that was his best friend. And I wrote a note to her, to him and had her give it to him. And he just said, she's too loud. I don't like her. I don't like her that way. But too loud. Thank God something in me was like, fuck you then. I'll find someone who likes loud girls. Like, fuck off. Good for you. But I didn't say that. I was devastated. Yeah. And I hated myself for being loud. But part of me, and this is again why Nirvana saved me. Then you get the sassy magazine with Kurt and Courtney on the cover. You go, Mm. someone likes loud, obnoxious people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's like, Uh, that's when music always came in and like made me feel better. And then like, or Morrissey would sing something about, you know, something and I would just feel better. But it's like, no. Maybe you can help me get Jane Pratt on the on the podcast because I have tweeted her and not heard back. But I'm oh, like, I don't know her at all. Jane Pratt, like, come on, I don't I gotta, know her at all. Everybody, she she, you guys have heard me maybe talk about this. Uh, I think you, I might have talked about it on Christina's episode, but Sassy Magazine it comes up with a lot of women from yeah. our age range because it was like a really cool magazine that made us feel better. Cool, yeah. But I think the most dramatic thing, and then there was always like, there was always like guys that like we would make out and be good friends and we liked each other, but whatever. But I didn't really have a boy until like in high school, my best friend, my best friend, I won't say her name because she's still in my life. And this was actually a very hard time for us, like even later in life. But mm-hmm. my best friend, this girl was dating this guy and they were like in love and they were, I never even thought I was attracted to him. Like he was just my good friend, but then she kind of broke up with him or did something and just kind of decided to see some other people or whatever but i think she had lost her virginity to him and she was very like it was the love of her life and always will be and i think wanted it to work out with him but like you just don't go out with that person if you're her best friend but i wasn't a jerk or like slutty or anything it just she really kind of disappeared from his life for a little while was hanging out with different dudes and he and i just became good friends and then we were in a band together Mm. and so there was a lot of hanging out in the basement and i I really like got to know him. It was like, I've never been attracted to him until I knew him. Mm. And he really felt like kind of like a soulmate to me, like in a way that if it makes any sense, when I look back on him and my best friend, like they had a very, not surface, I'm not putting it down, but, but I actually realized like on paper, technically he and I made more sense in a weird way. It just kind of happened that way. And so we grew together while they were growing apart and we would, I mean, really, were like in love and you know very physically involved and so i just thought like um i wouldn't sleep with him though because i thought like that one boundary like i can't do that to my friend i don't know i can't like do that so but and did she, she have any knowledge that this was going on no it was going on yeah. for a few months but um he asked me to the prom and i'm like i can't go with you because that was always her dream mm-hmm. you know and she said you know, I'm still going to go to the prom with him, even though we're not together because we made a promise to each other. So I said, you have to go with her and I'll ask my friend who's in college to just come back and go with me as a friend. And we'll all go. But he's like, it's stupid. I don't want to, you don't want to, why can't we just, and I'm like, I can't. So then we all went together. I don't think she had any idea, but he was starting to get frustrated. Like either you're with me or you're not, you know, like, and then she did find out one night because she came to where I was working and like yelled at me. And then I was like, Oh, that feeling. Oh, it's so stressful. So stressful. I like so barely hard. remember it because it was so horrible. But I think I just, instead of like dealing with her, just was like, forget it. Then I'm not, we're not friends then because I didn't want to deal with her. But it wasn't so much like I choose him over her. Then I think nothing happened with anybody. Like everybody fell apart. And yeah. then he and I, like throughout college, would still like get together and stuff. But then he fell in love with someone who's he's now married kids and stuff. But it was just one of those things where 
it was such a major person in my life. It was like one of the first guys I ever really could cry in front of or say, Hey, I have this family problem or whatever. Like it was the first real relationship I ever had where like someone's really seeing me for who I am and really appreciating it and not judging and being patient. Like that kind of thing was, that was like, see this guy is what the funniest thing was. There's nothing funny. It was all so intense, but I, I think like the funniest thing maybe was this guy, Adam, that I always had a crush on that said I was too loud. Like we, I went to see the cure at this huge stadium and he ended up being in the seat in front of me. And then he called me the next day just to talk about the concert. And I'm like, why do you call someone that has a crush on you to talk about the concert? And then he just gets off the phone and it's like, I'm like, why do you have to, yeah, it was so weird. So like, that's the only thing I can think of that's funny. Yeah. Listen, these, that's, what's great about these questions is that they open up to other things that maybe aren't like what the the intention of the question was, but that was a beautiful story. My heart just (laughs) broke for you, all three of you, because I remember, I mean, I didn't, yeah, that feeling of loyalty and there was, I had a girlfriend who dated a guy that I had dated, not even really that seriously, but the feeling of knowing that they had something together after I had had something, oh, my heart, it was enough. It didn't even matter that he wasn't like my number one guy. It, just, yeah. it was just the feeling of, oh my God, someone's, they, they, I'm, I was connected to both of them and now they're connected in a way that I'm not a part of. And I just felt so hurt by that. Oh my God. You just broke my heart putting it that way. Oh no. <laughs> Oh man. Um, uh, Oh, here's one that actually, this is a a nice segue because you talked about watching rock and roll high school. Scott C wants to know, he had two good questions. One was, what is the biggest lie you told? And the other (laughs) one was, which Ramon brother would you marry? Oh, well I recent, okay. I would probably marry Johnny Ramon now that I've read his book, Mm -hmm. even though he's conservative and I'm not really conservative. He, um, I just kind of like the black and white way he looks at things. And I feel like if we're talking marriage, which by the way, I do not yeah, believe in, Let's, we, we should, do we the should whole put thing. that into better Kirkman context yeah, it, and say, it, who would you hook up with I, and be with for a little while? Yeah. Let's say my permanent, but if I had marriage, he fits this, my idea of it. Like, yeah. And I was married and I, but I'm saying like my new idea of it, which is, it's not for me. So I think of it in a very limited way that seems yeah. to fit with Johnny. Like you're my wife, we do this. I'm saving lots of money. I'm buying a Cadillac like that. He sounds good. Like of that family. I guess that's a conservative PC we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you're looking at that family. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, it's a, that's a tough choice. But also like uh, Joey too, like he's OCD and that's not appealing to me. No. But he would be my number one just because emotionally he's just so sweet. And I liked Dee Dee, but I don't. He's a drug addict. I mean, everyone's dead, but I'm right. just saying if everyone was left, but I uh, guess I'm imagining. Yeah, I guess that was my point is I'm imagining. I, I imagine if they had all lived mm-hmm. that, that Johnny would be alive in a, in a way that made it possible to sort of have a partnership in, in, in a way that I don't know that it would be true for the other. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right <laughs> <laughs> to be present to it in some kind of a way that made any kind of sense at all. Um, but the biggest lie ever told, um, oh God, um, I, I I told this story once on Paul's podcast. So I'll just tell it qu- quickly and really differently. It was um when I was hanging out with that kid Rod, I went out with my friends Sarah and Shauna, 
and we were driving around and our intention was to pick up Rod and go hang out with him. And they had one, and I really didn't drink. I thought I was straight edge, whatever that meant, but I didn't like straight edge music. But I think I was like, well, I probably am going to get in trouble if I drink and do drugs anyway. So I'll just make it like a thing. You know what I mean? So it's cool. And so I was like, oh, I'm straight edge. And so, but they had a bottle of wine. I, they didn't even really drink that much, but I think they were going to maybe open it in the woods or whatever. So Rod jumps in the car and we all drive around, but like Sarah stops paying attention. We get in a head on collision in the oh middle of my town. God. My dad had a police scanner. So anytime something would happen, he would hear about it. So within seconds, the police come. I know that my dad is listening to it on the scanner. And oh. No matter what, he would just go drive to the whatever the scene was so he was just interested in he, yeah and all his fr- his brothers were cops and all his, oh, okay, okay a lot of the a lot of the golf club that my dad worked at was like working class people's mm-hmm. golf club so it was most of the members were cops and plumbers so he was like friends with all the cops so he would just like show up and hey it's me ron hanging out <laughs> <laughs> so i was like i know my dad is on his way and oh. then we're like rod get the wine out of the car before the cops like come so rod grabbed the bottle and they nabbed him when he was getting out and then he got arrested in front of me and then I just ran out of the car and stood on the corner and pretend I, I pretended I wasn't even there but my friend had gone like her she had her head on the windshield she didn't oh go through God. it but she had like a bloody oh. head and so I just lied and said I wasn't with them and I kept that lie up like when my dad came to the scene of the crime I was like no I was just on the corner like I I um like he was just like but I know you were supposed to be with them tonight and I was like I was and then I decided to leave and I, like it was weird. I just totally lied. So, and I lied to their parent. I just lied to everybody about everything. It was a, a horrible lie. I mean, I guess it's not that bad when I think about it, but was it, were the, were, and the two people that were in the car or mm-hmm. three people, three, three other two people. girls and everybody him and just me. kind yeah. of went along with what you said. Well, they hated me, but yeah, they were, no, they didn't No, They were like, no, she's lying. And I was like, <gasps> no, I'm not. It was just, Whoa. and then my, I did end up getting in trouble. And I think the only other lie I told after that was like, I just smoked all throughout my teen years and just kept pretending I didn't. It was blatantly, my dad would just, <laughs> I know, it's like the hardest smell. He would just hand activity. me my cigarettes. Yeah. And be like, I have, <laughs> these are yours. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's terrible. They that smoked, but, uh, that's a great story. Um, and what did you do when you skipped class? Zach Cody wants to know. What? I did not skip class ever. I was like the biggest goody two shoes. I only was like, I mean, I never skipped class. Mm. It's not even a thing I would do. I remember mm. my friends one day were like, let's skip class and drive to New York City and have coffee in a diner and then drive back. So they left at like 11. Classic. And they got there at like three. They'd coffee and then they got back at like seven. But I had lessons every single day after school. I was accounted for every second. So What were the lessons? Um, jazz, tap, ballet, and point, and then piano. And then I was in the musicals and in the plays. Okay. And in like poetry club. I mean, it was just nonstop crap so i was you know monday through friday busy never had free time i'm realizing now i'm, I'm still like that and, and, but it was like my parents were like you can be as weird as you want but you have to have some skills to back it up so do like things like you can't just sit at friendlies like you need to have the skill of tap dancing <laughs> yeah like you can't just sit at friendlies with the other weirdos oh and then there was band practice eventually so yeah i'm glad they did that because the other people i knew that were weirdos like their lives are great and stuff like that but they didn't go into the arts. And so maybe I wouldn't have either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's not sure. I always wanted to that. I just made that up. But, <laughs> but um, I never skipped, never class. skipped class. No. Um, 
I guess I did. And I'm not sure why I did because my dad was a teacher at the school. So he oh, that's always funny. find out about it. The only thing bad I did was smoke on the school grounds. And my sociology teacher found me and she had shown James Dean's East of Eden in class. And we both had a crush on him. And when she found me smoking outside, she was like, I'm not going to tell the principal because James Dean used to smoke. And we both <laughs> like him. And it was like this weird Brought thing. Together. And she was like, I know you're just going through like a little phase and you know, it's okay. Just don't do it near the school again. I was like, okay. Um, this, I've just looked down and, and, uh, and Chelsea Eichholz, uh, question caught my eye because I'm wondering if maybe the, um, the lying about the car accident could fall under this category, but if there's anything else she wants to know, do you have any moments that you look back on and say, what in the hell was I thinking? God, no. Um, I don't like uh, no like just in general what was I thinking being so I guess okay yeah I guess in general once I did get boobs and stuff like then I started to like ugly myself up and like wear baggy clothes and the flannel shirts and look just like I was always getting sent to the principal's office because I was always falling asleep in class. I didn't realize I had like maybe anxiety or ADD or whatever. So I couldn't sleep at night. I was always up all night, like super manic and like writing and just being a weirdo. And then I would sleep like two hours and I'd fall asleep in class. So they thought all my teachers thought I was on drugs. I mean, you didn't have the energy to skip class. No, I couldn't even do any. I would just sleep through class. And so I kept getting sent to the principal and they thought I was on drugs and stuff. And I was like, no, I'm just really tired. And so that was just me. It was like tired hair in my face looking gross. Like what was I thinking? I probably had like a beautiful teenage body that was like skinny and no cellulite and perfect. And why wasn't I just like, not like a hoochie slut, like celebrating it in some way, whatever that would have meant for you. Why wasn't I dressing like, uh, the lady from do light or whatever. Like why, why didn't I like, yeah. Like why wasn't I more sexual? But I was, but like, why wasn't I just like, why didn't I sleep around? I don't know. Just like that kind of thing. Like what, what the hell was I thinking? Great. And also, what the hell was I thinking, thinking that I had to be this beautiful, perfect thing for boys to like me? Like they're boys. They like girls. Like what was I thinking? I wasted so much time thinking I wasn't good enough and thinking that they would never like me when they probably did, you know, like that kind of thing. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Um, that, that actually feeds in possibly a little bit to Fish's question. What advice would you give your teenage self as your current self? Honestly, I think the who I was as a teenager is more interesting and better than who I am now. Like she read voraciously, like she did so many different things. She was so fearless. And I, I swear to you, I would ask her for advice now. Like I, I love that. I, I, I really, the only advice I would give is just like, probably don't smoke. You're, it's going to screw you up later. But yeah. Oh, I also was like a little neurotic and had some anxiety, like fear of flying and stuff. So I would just say, just don't, I would give her everything that I know now about like all that kind of stuff, like go to therapy mm-hmm. and then, yeah, just like, please, uh, you don't have to be, you like weird people and you, you admire them for their weirdness. So maybe someone would like you to like, yeah, exactly what I yeah. just said. Like, yeah. don't, 
Don't sit. Good. Don't I, I sit that, in your fucking room. Yeah. I love I, that I'm. I'm. You're answering these questions, and then I'm asking them after the fact. Here's one you just answered. I think it would could call, you answer it again? I think it's an all blanket. St- all I did as a teenager when I wasn't at my lessons was sit in my room. Get out of your room for yeah. ten minutes. Nothing's going on in there. <laughs> Nothing's going on in there. Um. Uh. Well, somebody had a seventh grade question that I accidentally skipped ahead to. Oh God. Uh, I mean, I, that I actually should have probably asked first and it's compliment pig which by the way is just a great handle so that's a funny. bravo to you compliment pig in seventh grade what was your favorite after school activity we know you had lots of after school after school activities so yeah it was probably just tap tap class jazz class can you I teach think- me how to tap dance because i always kind of wanted to know when i've taken some cursory lessons but- well i can teach you like basics but i actually when i moved to new york i started taking tap again and then they were like you're not tapping correctly you're doing like the marked like simple version of every step like my teacher never really taught me it turns out like complex things so i'm still learning too in a weird way even though i took it for like 15 years yeah but i think my favorite after school activity was jazz dance class and then if it wasn't that it was probably um lip syncing in front of my mirror yeah i mean that's really all what it was all about and if no one was home then singing and yeah that's a great answer. <laughs> great answer. Um, I'm just looking to see what feels like a good natural segue. Uh, well, I like Chris P's question because it, it, because you've already answered it. <laughs> I like Chris P's question because it, it takes us back to kind of what you said earlier about um, kind of having, having the bands that you loved and feeling like you didn't really care too much about the negative stuff in high school. Um, he says, as a teen, did you feel your future possibilities were constrained in any way? No, I knew exactly what I was going to do to me. I, I, the only thing that was hindering my future was that I had to sit through being in high school when I already felt like I had it all figured out. And I'm like, I just don't marking time. Yeah. Like just marking time. Like, listen, I know I have to get good grades cause it's like a thing. And this is the, pattern of how it goes but i'm gonna keep reading i like that shit i'm gonna be an actor or a dancer or something or in a band or whatever so let's look can i just get to new york city like when is it time to go to new york city like that's all i was thinking and i was like that's just where i'm going and um no and i did everything in high school that i would be doing now you know like everything i did was like oh this is what i want to do when i grow up so i'm doing it now because it's who i am so i really feel like the only hindrance was just that I was a teenager and couldn't just leave, sure, you know? Sure. I mean, I guess I could, but well, what did your band sound like? And what was the name? Of the band? <laughs> they were horrible. <laughs> um, it was a band. Actually, my, this guy, Luke, I know was the lead singer. And it was when he was the singer, it was more of like a chili pepper sounding band, but they did not like that. And then when I came in, I tried to make it more of like a breeders sounding band or whatever. Um, but it was four people playing four different kinds of music. It was me trying to, <laughs> it was like me trying to sing like a mix of Kim Deal, Robert Plant, and I don't even know what else. And then like my friend playing like heavy, heavy Pearl Jam style drums. And then oh. like my friend soloing crazy on the guitar. And then my friend who was just like sort of a bass player. So do it was you like, have copied? like, do you have, yeah, I have any? tapes. We were called 17, which is a great name, I think. But I mean, we, I would, I think I can speak for everyone listening to this episode. I would kill if I could somehow get a, a sample of a track, even if it sounded like complete shit. Well, I have a rehearsal. Podcast. I have have a rehearsal stuff and it's on a cassette and I can put it in my Walkman, which I have, and I can voice memo it and send it. I mean, I can get it. If to you're you. will, I know you're super busy, but if you're willing to no, do, I'll do that, it today, I, would I have writing to do today. That. So that's what I'll do today because oh, <laughs> yeah. I need to, you know, good. I'll give you another task <laughs> to avoid writing. 
Fantastic. We are very similar. But in that we way. played at the. Uh, what and what were you called? Did you say seventeen? We played yes, at the VFW Hall in in our town, and people came and like danced. And my parents were so angry because I was screaming so loud. And then we played <laughs> in the high school auditorium, and we smashed instruments on stage and broke oh. stuff. And I got we got in trouble, but it was so exciting. Oh. I mean, it was like you went for it. Yeah, it was so. Smashing I'm so instruments is a big. That's a I mean, big deal. I wasn't because I didn't have one, but yeah. you know, helping the others with theirs like so embarrassing. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's, it's you're 16. And oh, it's wonderful. Who it's wouldn't want to? You know. Um. Ooh. Now, time traveling. Martin Luther King asked how many times. <laughs> you, asked how many times did you visit the Freedom Trail before you turned 20? Um. Oh gotta say i didn't gotta say listen it's an honest answer i you know i did eventually but it was never a field trip the uh needham school system was more about aquariums and um maybe the occasional planetarium yeah no sorry sorry time traveling martin luther king (laughs) um he's probably already traveled to some other yeah he doesn't care he doesn't even listen to the answer uh and what about, let's see, some of these are more general, so they might have kind of been answered. You know, Lloyd Dobler has a, a fun one. He wanted to know. Oh, that's um, a girl. She's pretty awesome. Uh, oh, hey, Lloyd Dobler, the girl. <laughs> I know. With some of the, my followers, I know I know more about them. But I but so uh, she would like to know what your favorite curse word was as a teen. And then she also had the great question of a song that best defines your teens. And that definitely falls in line with everything we've been talking about. Oh, God. Favorite curse word probably was fuck. I still love that word. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it had to be fuck. Um, oh God, I a tough question to pick one. Like song, to pick one song, but I just I don't know. Like probably, I'm gonna say for me personally, probably the Smiths. Um, on louder than bombs, there's like a couple songs. Either Sheila, take a bow. Mm, nice. Um. Don't go home tonight. Come out and find the one you love and who loves you. Throw your homework onto the fire. I mean, I think it's like, that's got to be like... It's pretty on the nose. It's pretty it's on perfect. the nose. That's, yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. I think it's something to that effect. Interesting. Yeah. That's a great question. And it's, it's you know, to be honest with you, that's a question I, I, I wish I would have given you in advance because it's one that's like fun to kind of pour over and sort of really take a time to think like you just came up with a knockout answer. Well, I, I think right I... Cuff. I think I really, because it really is true. And I think William, it was really nothing, which is a Smith song really defines. I love that song. Yeah. Just like the, it would be like, it taught me how to think like, oh, this woman, she wants a ring and there's these boring people getting married and, you know, or, sure. or oh, wait, no. Um, there's another song he has about like getting on the train and leaving. I don't know. Any kind of song where it's like, I'm leaving or I'm judging others <laughs> for, for, for being boring and married right. and staying in the town. Like right. anything like that defined the obnoxious teenager I was becoming where I wasn't doing anything except being a teenager and living off my parents. But Oh man, did I have it all figured out? And was I such a condescending dick? So I think any song about that, that's great. I I cannot think not that I was asked, but I cannot think (laughs) of the only thing that popped into my mind that I can't account for other than probably just that. I just I just loved it all four years of high school. Loved it was birthday by the sugar cubes. Oh, 
like just in terms of Bjork's voice and like that's you know the yes. song was like it was just strange and that's and a euphoric great song and, and I can hear it in my you head. I, I can't mean? sing it. Yeah, that's she an just, that awesome was like song. When, that was one of the first songs where you just you when you heard the sugar cubes, it was like, what is happening right you ha- now? I mean, I wish there was a what picture is, oh, yeah. of this <laughs> dog and cat. Uh, yeah, that's a, an amazing like, song. Just, just like who is this girl and how is she singing like this? And I forgot about you know the sugar mean? cubes. Oh. I completely forgot. Yeah, but you know, I I'm don't know. Go that, download that, that later. That, I don't know that the lyrics are particularly. Um, appropriate but um, i mean for you know they don't know they represent anything but that's just the feeling of that song was like really really cool i feel Um, like a lot of my followers maybe think i was like sad in high school or something or picked on but i was a condescending asshole like (laughs) i was not suffering anything except romantic stuff but in general um i was a nice person and i think i was kind of funny but in my head I was a complete judgmental asshole. I mean, my diary is just a series of tearing my friends apart. Like anything they did, everything. Oh, you normal people. I mean, I was awful. So like that is... We might have to do like a a part two. Yeah, we'll have to do a part two sometime. Oh, oh, yes. In fact, I almost, I thought that and then I thought I I can't do that and do the listener questions. But I thought it would be really funny if we each read from the exact same day and exact same year. Oh, that would be great. Just a day from our journals because I have all of mine too. So we'll do, this is like, clearly there's so much to unpack about being a teenager between you and me that we'll probably have to do another episode at some point. Um, Kristen Ann, uh, a nice general question. What was your most memorable moment in high school, if you have one? And then also Cassidy Alice asked best memory from growing up. So those those are kind of twin questions. I mean, my first kiss, how can that not be your best memory ever? Nice. And then I think my favorite moment from high school was when I was in the school musical and my French teacher, Mr. Burgess, who I really looked up to, he was a really weird dude and he really just did not have time for kids that were not weird. And he wrote me a note that was like, if you stay in this town one day longer than you have to, I will be so disappointed in you. You have a passion and a talent and you need to leave and I want you to go to New York and and just just go be there and just you don't have to have a plan just go mr Burgess, it was the that gr- is awesome he just gave me he just slipped me a card one day on the last day of school as i was walking out and it was the most wonderful thing anyone's ever done that's amazing guys we can't all have that and my piece of advice to you would be like if you if you don't have that from someone don't be afraid to write that letter to yourself oh what do you think about yes that? uh mr burgess that's very very cool mm-hmm. um Gabe M uh, asked, what was your favorite thing to learn about in school or out? Of course, he reminded us that he was fascinated by World War II at the time. Uh, I liked history. I had a really cool teacher who was like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm uh, teaching you this history right now in the Iraq war is starting. And I want to talk to you about what similarities it has to other buildups and like political, like he, history was no more to me because of him just dates. I, I saw patterns and like the way politics oh, works great. and like, yeah, so that became my favorite thing to learn. But unfortunately that started like my se- my junior, senior year. So I feel the same way as you, by the way, about who I was as a teenager. I, I, I just kind of miss, like, I, I never thought I would miss having to go and, and study different subjects, but there's part of me now that feels like, God, I was just better versed with everything, not yeah. just current events, but literature, everything, all the stuff that you're studying in school that you're like, oh, why am I paying attention to this now? 
now I think like I would be a, a more well-rounded person yeah. if, I, if I was exposed to all of that information on a daily basis. Like it's hard to argue. I'd love to just like take classes all day. Uh, Joe Stando wants to know what your senior prom was like if you went. Which I did. did. Yeah. Went, I went uh, in a station wagon with my friend and pretended not to like this guy. And yeah. I thought I was wearing a very classically beautiful dress, like wasn't trying to punk it up or, but I just thought I look very classy in my black mermaid fitted dress oh okay some weird thing i love to see i think that. i do i think i was trying for like a like it was like punk by day like maybe a little like judy garland by night like okay. i don't know what i was trying to do I'll, I'll send you a picture of that i think i have one i wore black gloves I, yeah i wore glo- i wore a vintage sort of now that i look back on it like really it was like it was vintage so i'm very proud of that yeah it was a beautiful dress but it was basically the color of my flesh so it was sort <laughs> of like made me look really washed out and awful um, but then like the touches that I added were so terrible, like a black velvet, just like a ribbon around my oh, neck, sure. black velvet, some black, like some black gloves and some black shoes just to make it a little edgy. That <laughs> sounds like my dream outfit in the nineties, black, uh, sure. Black can, ribbon around my yeah, neck. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can cough up. I a think picture. I had a cigarette holder. Oh, it's oh, embarrassing. Come on. But that's so like Oscar Wilde so stupid those little those little victorian touches that yes. just seem like that sort of fall into like a weird punk like you know we sort of yeah uh, what's the word i'm looking for you when you take something on appropriated appropriate. thank you hello um uh that guy had some lovely very specific questions uh including ones that um were are sort of culturally significant at the time and politically significant he wanted to know what your stance were was on uh trickle down economics mm-hmm. if you remember i didn't know anything about it so no uh, i'll cross that out uh growing pains the show loved it had a crush on boner not kirk cameron thought his hair was weird we love our andrew we love yeah. our andrew Kenny. i never saw that show Oh, Somehow really? I never saw it. I watched um, Family Ties. And oh, yeah. I think, I think I felt like I had to choose between the two. Oh, of them. no, you didn't. You, ha- you could I have both. You could like, have both. I did also watch Silver Spoons. Oh, Jason uh, Bateman was so fucking oh hot on that God, show. It's he unbelievable. Was so smug. And yes. Sexy. I know. Why would you Damn ever it. like Rick Schroeder? You wouldn't. Ugh. You just wouldn't. Um, I might have liked the dad for a little while. I had some total confusing feelings about men my father's age all through childhood. Total hot dad. Uh, and Tears for Fears. What he wants to know when I think of tears for fears for fears. Don't even they don't even register in my brain. I maybe know one song, don't care. Yeah. Sorry that guy. Sorry that guy. Um oh Desert Storm. Oh, I was very affected by that. I was so naive. I thought like everything was gonna turn into you said your teacher. Yeah. He got it well yeah. I think there was like a couple of weeks before he started addressing it that I thought somehow it'd end up in nuclear war but i was very like peace hippie i just suddenly became this weird hippie and i started wearing two watches one was set to iraq time but <laughs> so <laughs> janet's on the floor awesome. <laughs> so i could always think about the soldiers dying i shouldn't be laughing it's wonderful <laughs> no it, it's a wonderful idea it's so dr- i took it on like it was like so oh. painful for me. I mean, I was just Two in so much watches. pain. About it. I love it. I, love I was it. such an open 
bleeding heart sore of I don't know I what. I can't believe how much I just laughed at that one. I think it's a <laughs> lovely sentiment. But it's just so... I just wasn't expecting it's just it. It's so teenager-y. Yeah. I know. I love that. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, I was very upset I by it. I love that. Um, that, to me, right there, answers my final question, which is a nice... Uh, open question. Uh-huh. Uh, we've spoken for an hour and 10 minutes, so I've, I'm going to have to wrap it up. But um, Manda Jean says, just how cool were you? Oh, I thought I was the coolest person that ever lived. Yeah. I'm looking back, I probably wasn't that cool. I mean, I was into poetry and dancing and I probably was not that cool. I'm fairly certain we would have gotten along. Oh, yeah. Well. You would have been quite totally well. rolling yeah with my crew yeah (laughs) my crew (laughs) i think you were pretty cool i don't know it all sounds good i wasn't i was only tormented by the world i had no time to be tormented by other teenagers that seemed absurd to me to care what other people were thinking or doing and you had also got kind of gone through that already when you were younger yeah fifth sixth seventh grade was when people were mean and i was like "Hmm, well i don't like people that don't like me so goodbye yeah but then i never learned how to translate that into romance then yeah then i only liked people that didn't like me but yeah no i don't know i thought i was very cool i don't it's up to someone else to decide it's i don't to god just kidding just it's Weird. up to god to decide i'll find out, Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out. <laughs> listen that's the, that's what i'm gonna find out that's the number one question i'll ask at those pearly gates what if at the end of the podcast god, was we I found cool? out you were a huge traditionalist and like a, a bible thumper and in the end, we found out that Jen Kirkman believes that St. Peter will open up the Golden Gates. And he'll tell me and if I'm... But it's like a clouds. weird thing where he tells you if you're cool or not. And it is only based on how you were as a teenager. Yeah. It's absolutely not. Sorry, you have to go to hell. You weren't cool. You know what? This is all you would have to do. You would arrive at the pearly gates. You would be like, give me a sec. And you would reach into your pocket and you would uncrumple the letter that Mr. Burgess wrote you. That's and right. And would be like... And then the gates would just open yeah. wide. I remember the card had a crazy dog on it and he goes, I picked this card because it's so stupid, but it was like a birthday card, but it wasn't my birthday. It was like the first time I'd seen that done. Oh my God. Totally. I had a friend who did that and he blew my mind in high school. I was like, he would give me like, like a a, a card in Spanish that was like, I'm so sorry for your loss in Spanish and give that to me for my birthday. And I was like, I'm going to marry you. That, that's the, that, those are the milestones yes. that nobody talks about. That yes. They keep making these TV shows about what happened at the prom. That It's weird things like that that are I the milestones. Agree. Oh, oh well, this come back great, in time. Jen. Oh my god! I know, I, I know. Oh my god, you have hours. somewhere to be. Let's um, let's get you out of here. Oh, I guess get I me out of here. Uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed the listener-generated questions. That was a joy. I'm definitely having her back on the show. Uh, leave your feedback on various things, including iTunes, if you can. I feel like I should come up with a fun, cheeky song about leaving iTunes feedback because people are so tired of being asked to do that by every single podcast that I want to try to find a way to make it fun. So I'll work on that for next time, guys. See you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.